Welcome, one and all, to your Loki podcast by Fantastic Geek, the official, unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt, and joining me, as always, is Pete. Hello, Pete. Oh, here it comes. The folksy, dopey insult from the folksy dope. The Loki podcast by Fantastic Geek for episode four, The Nexus Event, is brought to you by TVA Time Cells, Bad Memory Prisons, Time Loops, How Lovely. Pete, I was listening just yesterday to our uh, WandaVision series wrap, in which I guaranteed that those fine people at Disney would be releasing Black Widow on May 7th. Didn't quite work out. Pete, will it ever come out? It will, Matt, and we will podcast it next Sunday, July 11th at 7-11, the day after we have podcast the penultimate episode of Loki. I can't believe that it finally is here. I mean, obviously, you know, all these movies delayed for more serious reasons than I want my Marvel, but... Pete, we're getting to the end of the Loki uh, season run. I think there's there's vague indications that it uh, has a shot at renewal. Um, and here we are this time next week. We will have seen Black Widow, you and me and so many other people, finally. Whether you're watching it in theaters or watching it on uh, Disney Plus with Premiere Access. I, again, I can't quite believe it. So get us your feedback by noon on Sunday Eastern Time. Pete, in some show news for Loki this week, and and we're, we're covering this sincerely, not making jokes here. Uh, Sophia DiMartino had uh, shared on Instagram and elsewhere on social media this week how the costuming department for Loki had, uh, had put in zippers and catches and whatnot to better facilitate her as a new mother. And, uh, and uh, being able to breastfeed in between takes and whatnot. And uh, Pete, I know some people, it was like, oh, how dare she mention such a thing? Uh, Pete, we all are born of woman. These things happen and so forth. And I think that it's great that, among other things, uh, Marvel Studios and, by extension, its costuming department were uh, creating a welcoming workplace for this new mother. They always kill it in terms of costuming to do it in a considerate way here to accommodate her and sharing that, I think, really empowering. And Matt, I believe we have some costuming news of our own. Indeed, as we announced on social media uh, on Wednesday when the episode dropped for this episode and for the last two, we are doing a, uh, a little costuming giveaway of our own Loki t-shirts uh, and here's how it's going to work. We have that, uh, we have that t-shirt tweet. Also, you know, fair is fair, mentioning the podcast, hyping the podcast a bit. Uh, if you share that, if you quote tweet it, if you, whatever you do on Facebook, r- Russian share it, whatever it is, if you like it, if you reply to it, however you interact with it, you're in the running. And, uh, Pete, towards the end of this podcast episode, we'll be announcing our first winner, uh, we'll also be reaching out to them via social media to get you your Loki t-shirt of your choice. So still plenty of opportunities for that. I'm assuming Pete next Wednesday will will reshare that post and so forth. And uh, looking for some great winners, uh, not just today, but uh, for the next uh, two episodes after that. So be sure to share that. Facebook, Twitter, get in on your opportunity to win. 
Let's look into the glorious purpose of this episode. The green, gold, and black marble card gives way to Asgard, where young Sylvie, portrayed here, Matt, by actress Kaylee Fleming, who, in addition to playing Sylvie, uh, a variant of Loki, of course, has also played Judith Grimes on your The Walking Dead, and also played young Ray in the uh, Force Awakens flashback. <laughs> wow. That is, uh, that's quite a hat trick there. Um, obviously, two of those filmed in the Atlanta area, so uh, amazing what film tax credits can do to change someone's life. There she is, Pete, just playing as a child is apt to do. The TVA arrives, Renslayer as the lead agent. Pete, let's be clear here, young Sylvie is arrested for simply being herself. We're going to get a little bit more dialogue on that in a couple scenes from now, but it's very clear here she is as a child, not evil Loki, Sylvie, Lady Loki, whatever title you want to give. Here she is simply being herself, simply living her truth. Uh, the timeline is ordered reset, and Sylvie is brought to the TVA. We see with that camera low, we are as a child as well. With the camera placement, we see other variants being brutalized. There's a montage of young Sylvie being put through the entrance procedure. Uh, young Sylvie is brought before the judge, and she quickly takes Renslayer's tempad and escapes. I have to admit, Pete, I did not think that we would get, uh, by and large, the whole backstory. I mean, I know there's obviously things left out in terms of how did she spend the next thousand or two thousand years growing up and so on and so forth, but in terms of understanding where she started and where she ended up. I didn't know we were going to do that in one scene of montages, but there we are. Yeah. And quite a bit of subtext, obviously in terms of what she's been through the horror of it all. Renslayer inhales and exhales in the TVA present in front of a gold door with infinity esque bow ties on it. Uh, some people pointed out they kind of look like Mobius strips as well. There's blue smoke as she enters. The door closes. There is a red glow behind the blue smoke. And there are three figures with glowing eyes as we go to our Loki title card. And just enough shown of the timekeepers for you to kind of gasp. I'd say the same editing trick happens uh at the very end of the episode as well where somebody has somebody has spent time saying if we do half a mississippi more is it too much if we do half a mississippi less is it too little uh here pete it's the right amount after the title card we have some time having gone by renslayer is on her way out of the uh the the inner chamber for the timekeepers mobius uh is asking about her uh, he sees that she is shaken uh, and he's told that the timekeepers are not happy campers indeed they blame her she's reminded that sylvie didn't make it to the timekeepers so relax because nobody can imagine that happening renslayer talks about the difficulty of keeping the timeline clean uh, the timekeepers are all that stand between order and calamity mobius is Looking to get some info here on Hunter C-20 to understand her experiences with Sylvie. But no, says Renslayer, C-20 actually is dead. She seemed okay, but er, um, declined quickly. <laughs> I might be putting the ers and the ums in there a bit more, but 
we can smell a rat nonetheless. Don't panic, by the way, uh, but also tell no one. Uh, and we're told here to underscore the thrust of the episode, the mission, find the two variants because we are all in danger. To lamentous one where pieces of the planet rain down on the moon as Sylvie sits and Loki walks over. He's sorry. She remembers Asgard, which we've seen. Not much, but she remembers her home, her people, her life. Uh, the universe wants to break free, so it manifests chaos like her being born the goddess of mischief. As soon as that created a big enough detour from the sacred timeline, the TVA showed up, erased her reality, and took her prisoner. She was just a child. She escaped all this largely recap uh her telling loki though serves as the exposition for him she stole that tempad and she ran for a long time which really sucked everywhere every when she went to cause the nexus event which sent up that smoke flare because she's not supposed to exist until eventually she figured out where to hide, and that's where she grew up. The ends of 1,000 worlds now. That's where she's going to die on Lamentis here. Back at the TVA, Mobius and B-15 are trying to track the variants. B-15 asks if there's news on C-20, which, of course, Mobius does not give her. Back to Lamentis, where the planet is breaking up. It's not going to be long now. Is this what makes a Loki a Loki? The fact that they're destined to lose. They might lose painfully, but they don't die. They survive. And the pep talk here from Loki referenced a little later uh, that she was just a child when the TVA took her, but she nearly took it down. Um the organization that claims to govern all of time on her own. She's amazing. And, and Matt, is, is that a little chemistry there? There is Pete. And I think that um, here we get to view it squarely through the lens of a comic book story. You know, uh, are these two twins? Not literally. Are they related I mean, not not exactly, but also they sort of are. So I think that, again, one can easily separate. Um, if this was a real-world situation, well, first of all, I don't know how they would be copies and variants and whatnot, but you can kind of put set all that to, to the side and just say, you know, if love is searching for, for the, the person who makes you complete, um, well, there they are looking at each other, sharing that tender moment, holding hands, we cut quickly back to the TVA where there's a spike through going through the roof. Um, and I think, too, there's some contrast here um, and also fodder for, for theory discussion later. Loki and Sylvie are just sitting there, prepared Rogue One style to accept the end. Um, had they just been left, what would have happened to that branch? Um, but regardless, they're not left because the TVA has to go act. Um, the two the two doors open for them. Unseen is whether they are whether they run through on their own or guards grab them. I think Pete, that's good editing ultimately that we don't need to see how they exit. They just want the exit. The exit is there. They are exited. Um, 
and again, we have this smash cut to the TVA in slow motion where they are brought in and Sylvie and Loki are separated down different uh, sections of what some YouTubers have pointed out is the same hallway that they use over and over again. If you can imagine that, Pete, that sometimes sets for a thing get reused to be different hallways, even though it's probably one T-junction set. Wait, Matt, they don't build parts of uh, these locations we never see? True. Nor nor do they, whatever, build, you know, build build four or five hallways that are all interconnected when really you with, just need... With parts that come off that uh, they can film in different directions. So, you know, the, the Enterprise view screen, uh, they're, they're actually filming through that. Pete, I thought it was a true 3D screen that they got from <laughs> from from the Star Treks of real. Um, anyhow, Loki and Mobius talk about betrayal and growing up. Loki is thrown first into a time theater. We get that insult given about uh, Mobius being a folksy dope. Uh, Pete, I'll let you take over here. What does Mobius call him back? Not the god of self-sabotage, nor of backstabbing. More like an a-hole and a bad friend. Loki ultimately is about to be thrown through a a red time door. Uh, Of course, we know in a little bit it'll be a bad memory prison. Um, But the real hurt on Mobius's face, you know, you were a bad friend. The implication being, Loki, you were a bad friend to me, Mobius. Um, But before thrown through that door, Loki tells Mobius that that the TVA is lying to him. This, of course, sounds like a desperate attempt from a serial liar, and uh, Loki is thrown in, hey, it's Asgard, and hey, it's Sif. Her hair is messed up, and she gives him a slap, then a knee to the groin. This is when Loki intuits it's a bad memory prison. Um, He remembers in real life when this happened, he walked it off with a hot bath and a glass of wine, but then, hey, it's Sif! Her hair is messed up, and she uh, gives him a slap and a knee to the groin. Oh, it's a bad memory loop. Then, hey, it's Sif. He tries to break the loop, telling her that she's a reconstruction of a past event, and she needs to help him escape. She knees him to the groin. Pathetic. Mobius knocks on Renslayer's door and goes in. Shouldn't he be interrogating the Loki variant? Oh, no, no. He's softening up in that time cell. But while that's going on, he thought he'd interview Sylvie. Oh, no, no, no. You just stick with your Loki and figure out what that Nexus spike was. So the mission has changed. Uh, But he thinks that he could get there faster if he works both variants simultaneously. Absolutely not. She is too dangerous Renslayer tells him no one will speak with her. Um, if there's a mastermind, Mobius says, it's uh, not Loki. Um, and she says that's fine because then he should be the easiest to break. Work your Loki, figure out what caused that spike. The timekeepers are watching. Mobius uh, steps out back into the hallway. Uh, We see the B-15 is hanging around, wondering if Loki said anything to Mobius. Uh, And of course, that one little key nugget is is the one that makes all the difference. Mobius shares that Loki said the TVA is a lie. 
with that, you can see Hunter. Whoa, B. whoa, whoa! You're missing a major, major thing that's what mentioned am, in the scene. <laughs> what am I missing? They brought in Kree. They brought in Titans. Vampires. Blade confirmed. Yeah, no, it's a fun, it's a fun line. Um, it's a nod to the ever-expanding MCU. Um, I suppose theoretically, Pete, haven't they brought in all kinds of everybody? They have, but you know, what if they brought in Luke Cage, Mahershala Ali, and they also brought in Blade, Mahershala Ali? Um, I mean, look. What I'm about to say here, dear listener, is truly more spoiler speculation, not I've seen a thing, not I've researched this, but Pete, isn't it things exactly like that that are rumored for Spider-Man No Way Home? Like, some returning people are confirmed, other returning people, it's rumor, and some of those actors wholeheartedly deny it and so forth, but isn't all of it on the table? Isn't it all possible at some point... I mean, Blade is still undated. Um, the latest date that we have now is Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 for 2023. Uh, can't we assume at any point um, Wesley Snipes' Blade shows up in any one of these um, at any moment? Uh, perhaps alongside or opposite of Mahershala Ali Blade? Like, it's all possible, right? Uh, hey, bring in Alfre Woodard while we're at it. Civil War, Alfre Woodard. Luke Cage, Alfre Woodard. Back to the memory prison we go. Loki, Pete, here's where you get Hiddleston at his best. Loki is clearly bruised in the you knows, but he's not going to directly interact with the bruised area. So it's all, it's on the face. It's how the arm, his right arm crosses to his left knee, suggesting trying to preserve the area without directly, you know, overdoing it and so forth. Um... Sif comes in again. He apologizes for cutting off her hair. It wasn't funny. He admits to craving attention because he's a narcissist who's scared of being alone. Notice, Pete, here's behind the scenes here. Uh, we have action that has now led to character insight and character exposition and so forth. Um, Sif helps him up. Loki sighs before standing because I think we're all expecting. We got one, two, three knees to the groin. This will clearly be the fourth. She says that he is alone and always will be. However, she does not knee him, but walks off instead. Pete, this bad memory prison, able to hurt more than the stones. It's able to get you in the heart. Mobius comes in here, ready to talk, Loki. Back to Time Theater 23 they go. Fancy technology, threatening interrogation tactics. Uh, but now these two... Mobius and Loki seem caught in a time loop of their own. Um, and the TVA lying uh, angle that Loki's trying to sell, uh, Mobius wants to know, is this a cockroach's survival mechanism kicking in? Or is this real? How long has he been working with the variant? Uh, if they're not working, are they partners then? And, of course, Loki initially brushes this off. Oh, she's difficult. She's irritating. She's always trying to hit me. Uh, besides, uh, he doesn't do partners unless it benefits him. 
and then he betrays them at some point. So the dual meanings here, one with Sylvie, of course, and then the partnership that Loki has formed with Mobius. It was all a means to an end, though. Welcome to the real world. Down there, we're awful to one another to get what we want. And Mobius laughs off having a prince tell him how the real world works. And he wants to know uh, what caused the Nexus event on Lamentis. And of course, Loki won't share that one little bit. He's all set to be returned to uh, Sif and faced with that. Uh, Loki admits falsely, at least as far as we know, Pete, falsely, um, that Sylvie approached him long ago and they've been working together ever since. Pete, I don't think that we're going to find out in the last two episodes that there was like a secret history. This is not the usual suspects kind of stuff. Right. I think we're getting a fairly linear presentation of a story that does not behave in a linear way. But I think we can I think we could say here, Pete, uh, enhanced interrogation has led to bad, uh, bad confession. Um <laughs> But anyhow, Questionable the, intel. <laughs> there you go. Loki, again, falsely admitting they've been working together ever since she reached out to him. The plan is coming along very nicely. Uh, Loki's planning something big that he's going to toss her aside. Mobius says no worries about that last part. They've already pruned her. You see, she broke free, got popped by B-15. So congrats. You are the superior Loki. Here, Hiddleston is superior. Marvelous hiding his sadness with a Loki smirk. And Owen Wilson shows that Mobius is just able to notice it. Again, these are two actors at the top of their game here. Mobius says, you like her, so does she like you back? And Mobius laughs at the idea of two narcissists falling for each other. Loki notes that her name was Sylvie, and Loki, uh, pardon me, Mobius laughs that off too. Oh, by the way, she's alive for now. Which brings great relief on behalf of Loki here. Uh, Mobius wants to know if infiltrating the TVA was always uh, the grand plan, but their interests had just aligned, overthrowing the timekeepers. They may need to be overthrown if Sylvie, uh, if what um, Sylvie told Loki is true, then that place affects everybody. Um, But again, Mobius sees just lies from a guy who has a terrorist girlfriend, uh, that he has a female version of himself that he's developed this demented crush on. And then Loki just blurts it out that everybody at the TVA are variants, that they weren't created by the timekeepers, they were kidnapped from the timeline and their memories erased and that Sylvie is the key that she can access those memories through enchantment that Moby's had a past, maybe a family. Uh, but with this case closed now and Mobius uh, inclined to not believe him, two guards enter and they throw him back in the time cell. On the way to the time cell, the great line here that uh, Loki calls Mobius a liar, not with some of the case particulars, but it's over the lies that Mobius tells himself. Meanwhile, B-15 is in a slash the hallway, alone and reflecting. 
Uh, she considers the Orwellian TVA poster and then goes to Theater 47, where Sylvie is cooling her jets. That's right, Pete. Sylvie confirmed alive. Uh, B-15 uh, goes in there ready to tussle. Then quickly, once the door is closed, turns off that buzz baton, opens a time door, and they go to a place to be revealed later. Uh, we, however, go to Renslayer's office where it's case closing time. Uh, she and Mobius are officially signing off on Loki's case. Who wants to drink? They do a drinky clinky. Mobius wonders, you know, why he wasn't allowed to talk to Sylvie. Oh, that's what Loki calls her, by the way. Um, but where would Mobius like to go on the timeline? Pete perhaps shades here in that question uh, of of Westworld, the once great show. You know, can you can you ask can you ask Mobius some questions to have him reveal, um, let's say, being out of his own loop to use a Westworld more uh, a word more used in Westworld than in this show, but I think appropriate to both. His answer is that he'd want to be here and now with Renslayer doing the work. Renslayer juicily adds that the timekeepers want to personally oversee the variant's pruning, and Mobius is invited. He circles it back on to asking about C20. Renslayer says that C20 quickly was not fine. All of it implied with the acting that Mobius should just take the win and shush. What is he getting at, she wonders. Something's off um, and Renslayer is just trying to protect him. The variant scares her, and she didn't want to see anything happen to him. C20 had lost her mind. She couldn't deal uh, with that, and, and Renslayer doesn't want to see that happen to anyone else. And probably just a little bit too much time with too many Lokis, although that seems like it's going to increase exponentially next week. Uh, what they do matters they're also fighting for this this friendship friends against time allies to the end so matt our renslayer mobius ship has sunk renmo ah renmo a friendship that they share friendship like they share is uncommon and here pete gugu and Bathara's eyes look heavy and burdened is it is the burden the truth, the past, the want of romance, the knowledge of romance? Um, I think there's there's plenty of past to be revealed between the two in the future when we learn about the past. So what's she going to do with her latest trophy? That's the Sylvie Sword. Um, side note, Pete, I know out there in the world you can buy the Sylvie Crown and the Loki Crown. Uh, where's the hashtag Sylvie Sword? <laughs> Um, surely someone is out there machining metal and whatnot. Um, joking aside, there's got to be a YouTube video. I'd say by the end of next weekend, there's got to be a YouTube video of like, hi, I'm a guy that makes swords in my garage and makes YouTube videos about it. Here's the Sylvie sword. It's just, it's just one expects such things. Renslayer takes this sword, um, and is going to put it on the, on the, the mantle there. And while her back is turned, Mobius swaps out the temp pads uh, his for hers and so forth. Well, he's ready to run now, but wait, after one drink, uh, he's just exhausted. And Renslayer says that it's time to finish this. Time door opens outside Rock's cart before that apocalypse. And B-15 has taken Sylvie there. 
uh, to confront her about what she saw when she was in her head. And Sylvie explains that she showed her her life before the TVA. That's not true. That's impossible, Matt. But she can't create memory. She can only use what's there. The timekeepers took their lives from them, all of them, their variants. We are the same. You, me, same, same. Uh, and she takes her hand here, the green glow at the hands, also at B-15's temples, this tearful realization that she looked happy. What now, Matt? Where will we go now? Well, the moment we'll go back to the TVA library. I just want to point out in this scene, A, the sincerity of the moment um, is made possible by Sofia DiMartino's acting. I think that there are other realities where maybe on this podcast we're saying, but wait, could Sylvie still be lying? Could this be part of the big con? Um, I think if one looks at the shape of the season, like we're in the final third for the next two weeks, we're more in wrapping up phase than we are setting out new mysteries or exploring old mysteries, that sort of thing. Um, it's up to Martino to really push that and sell that. Similarly, I like that we don't see B-15's happy memories. Whether we do in a future episode remains to be seen, but for this story, for us to imagine the best life, the happiest life that she had in the past, I think that it, it's one of those things where it, it's the best memory is the one that each of us is imagining for ourselves. Let's not undersell the emotional, um, you know, just absolute selling of the experience of Hunter B-15 here by Wunmu Masaku, Matt. Uh, really, really understated and completely believable with the horrible realization that she's come to. But Pete, back to the library we go. See, I said it was going to happen before. Now it's happening now. Time. Um, Mobius is sneaking around the library and fiddles with his, well, rather, Renslayer's Tempad. He searches for and finds information on C-20, deceased. And let's not forget, we were told that she was crazy at the end. Uh, file footage shows, however, a sane and salient C-20, explaining that these were real memories uh, exposed by Sylvie, that she lived down there, went to that bar, had a life before the sacred timeline. She can't calm down with all this. She's discovered she is a variant. And then the recording is ended by, wait, who is that, Pete? Oh, good. Zoom and enhance cliche. It's <laughs> Renslayer looking suspiciously into the camera. Pete, if I have one complaint, it's that maybe they should have gone yeah. for a slightly less, like, what hand in the cookie jar? look and on my own tempad grainy yeah. video uh to the time cell again with loki where mobius again enters and wants to know does he really think he deserves to be alone but they have to get the bottom of that nexus event whatever connection that they made uh can bring the entire tva down um but the swearing from Loki that it is not an implanted memory uh, in C20 and uh, that they will take each other at their word. Okay. Trusting the word of two Lokis. 
how about trusting the word of a friend? Uh, but he was right about the TVA. And if you want to save Sylvie, he needs to trust Mobius. Uh, so they can uh, be whoever they want to be. Shades of what uh, Frigga told uh, Loki as a child here. Even be someone good just in case uh, anyone ever told him different. And there's a great smile here out of Tom Hiddleston. Before we're back in the time theater with Renslayer waiting with multiple Minutemen. Rutrow, not a good situation here. Mobius plays dumb. Oopsies. Hey, I just realized the thing got switched with the thing. But what's going on? What's the problem? Renslayer looks sadly ready to pass judgment. Mobius uh, wants to go wherever he was before the TVA. He liked to ride a jet ski, ride it around, and just like that, Pete, he gets pruned. Um, particularly courtesy of some fast ending uh, editing. I think that I think that there, there's a slower version where guy goes in for the stabby stab, and we say, "Wait, why isn't he moving?" You know, again through the magic of editing, it's a little bit more surprising indeed pete very surprising i know that as recently as last week's podcast i had wondered do we have the potential for an infinitude of mobius and does that mean that a mobius could be killed without necessarily losing much of a of a step here nonetheless pete can i get a wow for the death of this mobius shocking uh but the post-credit scene sets up obviously his continued existence as well as his multiple variants including lightning mcqueen pete i can't wait to see night at the museum owen wilson a 20th century fox property um riding lightning mcqueen as they come in to rescue mobius and just you know pete they told us there will be no wows from mobius they didn't say there wouldn't be a wow from cowboy guy from night at the museum michael waldron has expressed all sorts of love for uh owen wilson's involvement in armageddon uh in which he was killed off uh rather early didn't make it out of the second act i mean the the number of owens wilson's that we could drop in there i think could be completely delicious Loki is taken out of the time theater, and the guards are told to wait at the elevator. Uh, Renslayer enters Sylvie's theater and intuits that someone was with her as Sylvie is soaking wet. Time to collect uh, B-15 as well, or at least send out word that B-15 has been compromised. Uh, Sylvie is taken down the hall. Loki and Sylvie meet at the elevator, guards in tow. Um, Love the... um, Wes Anderson-esque blocking that uh, that uh, the director does here with uh, Renslayer frequently in the middle and kind of, you know, the two anti-heroes on either side and the guards filling out the frame and so forth. Um, she's going to take it from here, Renslayer says, taking Loki and Sylvie into the elevator. Um, Sylvie asks Renslayer if the judge remembers the variant. She does. So what was Sylvie's Nexus event? Renslayer says it doesn't matter. Uh, we know, Pete, it was because Sylvie was simply living her life. But uh, again, Renslayer says that she doesn't remember. Then, Pete, the doors open 
at the timekeeper chamber and we actually get a good view of them and more yeah i did not expect that we'd full-on go into the timekeepers this early you know fourth episode of the series here so much speculation about them and when we go into this room uh the figures on the wall there something just doesn't sit right um there's the aspect uh, apart from the fact that she's dismissed guards and there's four guards in here which doesn't sit right either uh these gracious timekeepers have been brought the variants as promised um and i love that they kind of have these thick almost speech impediment patterns there's the one with the gigantic mustache wants to know if they have anything to say for themselves before they're killed Loki wonders aloud if that's the real reason they were brought there because he's lost track of the number of times he's been killed. So go ahead and do it. But the timekeeper tells him that their bravado is no threat to them. Uh, And Sylvie uh, mouths off here only to get repeated with the time twister but she thinks that these timekeepers are scared. Uh, And she's told she's nothing but a cosmic disappointment and they're going to be deleted. But it's just then that Renslayer's time twister remote glitches and the door opens behind her. It's B-15 who uses her remote to drop the collars on Loki and Sylvie and it's on. And here, Pete, I thought the glitch was going to be Princess Vanellope. Uh, instead, those tempad, uh, the tempad having having blasted the collars off, uh, Sylvie gets thrown her blade, and an epic fight breaks out. Maybe it's got a little extra editing because they wanted to be getting the good instinct of as many shots with the actors as possible. The actors who maybe did not have a ton of time to plan for this fight since they're shooting 300 minutes of, uh, you know, six episodes in total and not, you know, not something shorter of movie length. But hey, it was only on second view that I kind of was like, oh man, this is a lot of editing here. Uh, And again, editing with an eye towards keeping the actors on camera. We can see that the fight is slowly making its way towards the stairs, up the stairs to the timekeeper's. Of course, they can't, at least they, the nominal goodies of the TVA. Um, uh, Renslayer and Sylvie begin to fight a little off to the side, but soon they're getting to the stairs as well. Sylvie lands a few blows, uh, and soon she's on the ground with uh, Renslayer in the the superior position. Um, Loki takes out a guard, ultimately Renslayer is down. Uh, And again, Pete, I don't mean to keep mentioning the editing here, but... The way in which it's clear that Renslayer is down but not out and kind of removed from the scene in terms of like, oh, there she is knocked out in the mists. We are both aware that she's not dead and also not instantly thinking, but wait, there she is moving. You know, it's not some wrestling thing. He's coming back and our hero is looking the wrong (laughs) way. Like it's in the moment we buy it that Renslayer is not a threat. And then in a little bit when Renslayer is a real big threat, we buy that too. She's just grabbing a folding chair. 
the timekeepers try to slow Sylvie down here, reminding her she is a child of theirs too. They can talk. Um, but she throws the pointy end of that baton and decapitates the top timekeeper. There's creepy laughing as the sparking head careens to her feet. Uh, it's a fake. They are mindless androids, and Loki laments that it never stops. Who then created the TVA? Sylvie doesn't want another pep talk, though. Uh, but he has to tell her something. They will figure this out. How does he know that? Because back on Lamentis, th this is new for me. And he grabs her shoulders. What? What is it, Loki? Come closer. And we know it's coming before it happens. And we see the, the slower pruning effect here. Renslayer gets him from behind. Sylvie then grabs her and reverses it. She says Renslayer does to do it. No, she, Renslayer, is going to tell Sylvie everything in what is surely the end of the episode for the week. Uh, the end, but wait, there's more. Um, and I'll also mention, Pete, again, I don't mean to say editing again, but whether it's the music, we're going to call it music editing or the film editing or whatever, the choice of song here is enough to kind of keep you watching. It's not the normal the the normal um tva theme i think it's called um but there's a certain point towards the end of the credits where it feels like the song is not wrapping up and right. on a subconscious level again you know it's marvel so whether you either you watch the credits and you're like ooh, exhale or you're fast forwarding ahead or, or you've done the there math. were a lot of people that seem to miss this i've spoken with um uh, pete like you said for WandaVision, all those weeks and weeks ago, you know, you get to the end of one of these episodes, do the little, especially if you're watching on your phone, do the little fast-forward scrub just to see if anything shows up. Um, here, though, I really do think it's it's a case that when you're in the last 15 seconds of the credits, the song does not feel like it's wrapping up. It's, it's pulling you forward. And indeed, Pete, Loki awakes somewhere. Kate Herons... What's that? Not hell. Not hell. Um, Pete, although... Uh, Gerald Ford might have said in the 1970s that this place could go to hell, but I digress. Uh, Kate Heron's <laughs> camera is close on Loki. Um, is this hell? Is it dead? Not yet, he's told. And I mean, Richard E. Grant's voice, you can, if, even if you didn't know it was him, if you know, if you didn't know he was going to show up in an episode, which, spoiler alert, I think it's going to be more than one episode, um, if only just two. Um, but in a shot that is just long enough to go, huh. And then it goes away before he can fully analyze it. Loki looks up to stare upon the visage of classic Loki, kid Loki, boastful Loki, and Pete, the one nobody had predicted, crocodile <laughs> Loki? Too fully. I think it's alligator Loki. Uh, he of Frog Thor. So they are, they are swinging big. But Matt, where are they? Uh, Pete, it appears the, the twisted barren landscape of... of a destroyed New York with Stark tower visible, uh, off to the right. Hey, oh, wow. 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 Oh man. I feel like, wow. Let's say wow to some theories, Pete. First one here. Let's be completely serious here. 
surely Sylvie's only crime is having decided at some point uh, to express herself as the female Sylvie, not the male Loki. Surely this is meant to be uh, a stand-in for, um, you know, the the trans perspective and so forth. I think for as much as last week, the surface reading was, oh man, Loki's by. I'm going to go write an article or that's what's going to get tweeted. I didn't see as much this week with kind of confirmation that Sylvie is a metaphor for trans people, but it's there. I think it's just a slightly mm-hmm. less, it takes a little bit more of the brain power to figure that one out, but there it is. So much has been made of the decision with the gender fluidity. And again, coming from the comics, this is not a new idea. And that stretches back even to the mythology behind Loki. Uh, but here to have her playing as a child that Valkyrie uh, gets a mention uh, as she's playing before they come and drop the reset charge and take her away. I think what I'm most curious about is why wait until she is the age that she's at. Why not just when she was born or, you know, some other moment. And we're, we're left with Renslayer's cryptic and, you know, condescending. I don't remember. Of course she remembers. This has set all these events in motion she was not a judge yet, uh, so obviously that case hastened her ascension. Um, so her crime, uh, Sylvie's crime, as of yet, undisclosed. Like you said, the, the, the great assumption at this point is her very existence, making that metaphor for transphobia rather apt. And to your point as to why why grab her why did the TVA grab Sylvie then? I think if we if we scoop in one spoonful of um, willful suspension of disbelief is maybe a bit too extreme. But if we scoop in a little, hey, don't forget this is a story. We don't know when um, the Loki variant chose to exist as Sylvie. Could we assume that it was five minutes before the TVA came? We could, although I don't think that's kind of in the heart of the moment. Um, we've seen in the past, um, we've seen in past instances where the branch doesn't happen immediately. Um, there's been even that, you know, when we were back at the 80s Ren Fair, you know, there's kind of like, oh, you can't go to right before it. Uh, even on Lamentis, when Sylvie and Loki move to hold hands that's when the branch appears, not five minutes before, not, you know, at that particular point. So, again, I think that if we say, well, if if uh, Loki may, if Loki variant made this decision at age five, well, you're really going to go get a five-year-old girl actress, and if she's having a bad day and you can't rely on the kid that young to act, all right, you're going to go for Sofia Martino and make her look like she's 18? Okay, well, at a certain point you're going to go, okay, this lady's older than that. I think you sit and go, boom, teenage actress, somebody who's got a resume, somebody who's got a reputation, I would assume, of shows up on time, doesn't have bad days at work, doesn't hold up the production and so forth. Hey, it's a girl that looks like little Sofia DiMartino. I, 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 I think that's a factor, too, in the age. However, Pete, 
let me now completely argue against that, is Sylvie's change here at an adolescent age, is this perhaps going to be some sort of spark for changes in other adolescents when we reach the multiverse, perhaps Pete like mutants? That's a it's an interesting way of looking at that indeed. Uh C twenty, is she really dead? I think she's as dead as the buzz batons make one. Um, I have to admit, Pete, I had not fully thought through the um, the implication um, that that you did in terms of is it the case that everybody who gets pruned with the baton do they all go to you know uh, Dimension X or wherever it is that Loki has ended up? You know, do they all go there? Um, which is to say, will we have Mobius Prime, for lack of a better word? Will we have him return and, and so on and so forth? Um, so, so I like your analysis there that, that nobody's really dead. C20 herself might've been batoned and then is going to also be in this way station of, of the, the rubble in New York. It brings up an oddly comforting aspect in concert with what happens to Loki. So we're told, and this has happened obviously in the, the previous uh, you know, Marvel movies he's been in where he's died. He's now aware that he's died, uh, that Loki's lose, but they don't die. So the idea that C20, Mobius, Loki are all elsewhere, they're fine, ready to be returned to their spots on multiple timelines because the aspect of a sacred timeline and a multiverse of madness can't exist simultaneously that as matt a uh fictional version of lady sif played by jamie alexander that was kept under wraps probably filmed uh at some point during the uh thor love and thunder shoot pete is she in thor love and thunder i, I honestly have lost track at this point there's very heavy implication that she is. It certainly would be a heck of a thing. I, I believe I'm correct in saying that the only reason... You got an Sif... Asgard set. Yeah. You got her. Oh, all right, let's get Tom down there. Uh, I think they were filming in New Zealand, right? Uh, Taika, Taika Waititi. Uh, either Australia or New Zealand, yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, or P. I mean, I have to go back and look at the scene. It, it, it could be, you know get a guy that looks like Hiddleston to put on the wig. Like, I don't, you know, I'd have to go back and look. Do they have a two-shot that is definitively the two of them and so forth? All I'll say is this, Pete. Well, the other aspect, so Jamie Alexander is not credited in this episode, and the speculation is that that was to defeat the leaks. However, uh, her stunt double is credited. So did they uh, face-swap the stunt double even still, you'd give her a credit, right? I mean, it could be... Pete, if we had a you know, a SAG after an actor's uh, union person here, they probably would say, oh, this non-crediting stuff, boo, boo. It might just be a case, Jamie, can you help us out? Can you forego the credit? We'll give you the extra $20,000 
uh, to to forego the credit. And this way, can you help us out to help avoid one leak? We're going to have, you know, while you're filming Thor Love and Thunder, we're going to have a morning where you come in and you say the same line 30 different times and then you go back to the normal set. You go back to stage one. Um, and later on, we're going to do the computers and we're going to do the stunt double and and all of that. I just want to mention, Pete, I believe I'm correct in saying that the main reason or a reason why Lady Sif was not present on Asgard in uh, Thor Ragnarok was because Jamie Alexander was filming uh, Blind Spot, which is, of course, the NBC series that she got coming off of the, the heat from the MCU. So she's back here. She's presumably back in Thor 4 because she had a job that that precluded her being killed off as were the other, uh, the, the other friends rather unceremoniously killed off in, in Ragnarok. So it's just funny how things work around like, Oh man, we can't bring her back because she's the star of blind spot. And then, Oh, blind spot has run its course. Now we can bring her back to Thor. Sorry, everybody else who got killed off as Thor's friends. Uh, but lady Sif is back. Perhaps she'll get her own Nexus spike. On the subject of that, Matt, have you ever seen one that big until all the Lokis team up in the next two episodes? It, it is interesting. It, it, it's interesting to consider why that spike. Um, and if, you, if the ultimate answer is, I don't know, because fiction, um, I think we can all accept that. But, like, again, I think we can say fairly unambiguously, at least based on the information that we had... If Sylvie and Loki just sat there on Lamentis and let the end come, there would not have been a branch. The branch was actually caused by the branch showing up and the TVA interfering. Um, the, the, the TVA's interference may be what brings it down, and whether we're going to get into... Uh, meta is the wrong word. Whether we're going to get into a high, you know th this high philosophy notion of, well, it's the universe's way of... Uh, what was the line? The universe wants chaos and this is its its desire pushing through or whoever it is who's actually behind the TVA wants out or built a thing that one day would explode. It's, you know, whatever it is, that's a whole lot of burden for the next two episodes to sort out. Unless, of course, they don't because if we say, oh, secret scene in episode six, it's actually revealed, you know, there's the reveal of Doctor Strange saying, Loki, come with me. I need your help or somebody from the Eternals shows up, or the least likely of all, Thwip Thwip, um, Spider-Man shows up and says, you know, come with me, Loki, blah, blah, blah. Like, there is the potential for them to not answer these questions in this season of the show. Let's all be prepared for there to be mysteries, just like back in 2011, many of us said, so who's that purple guy smiling at the camera at the second scene, second secret scene for Avengers 1? What's his deal? You know, there is that potential here as well. 2012, but I can understand your confusion on this sacred timeline here. Time is fluid. So two episodes left, a disclosure from Loki, probably largely for rhetoric's sake, but definitely for story sake that something very very big is gonna happen will all of the loki variants descend on the tva and set things right all of them i don't know but classic loki kid loki boastful loki and alligator loki uh 
I would say for sure Z. I think the thing I'm most interested about for next week's episode is again there was this rumor Richard E. Grant will appear in an un you know in an un, unnamed role for one episode. Okay, clearly it's now two. Now if you want to say okay he filmed for one episode and then they went back and edited one scene one shot um, into a secret scene for another. Okay, fine. I don't know how that works in terms of credit or your pay or blah, 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 but so be it. But do they dispense with these, you know, with team variant, is that all dispensed with next week or does that carry over to the finale? I think most people would say, well, that's kind of finale stuff. I'm always reminded of um, Fargo season two, which essentially in its 10 episode season it had the entire climax, the showdown, the everything was in the ninth episode, and they took the hour plus tenth episode to just exhale, to wrap up, to conclude. There were no more final showdowns, so that's a possibility as well. Uh, we're told that Mobius, like Renslayer, has seen all of existence. That's a really interesting aspect and now that we know that the timekeepers are a fraud the question obviously well who showed them all of existence and who is exactly behind the tva well i i took it as have has he literally visited every spot i would say i don't believe so at this time has he had access to the entire history of the universe from beginning to end um, I think that's perhaps more likely. Um, if Pete, your concern is how does somebody with all of those, with all that knowledge, uh, go back? I think that we could do a memory wipe when we insert him back into wherever he was plucked from. Perhaps he's going to go back to his existence as a member of the Royal Tenenbaums family, or on that island for Moonrise Kingdom, or maybe he works at Grand Budapest Hotel. Pete, what I'm trying to say is, can we get a Wes Anderson reference in here before the season ends, because that would just leave me tickled pink. The simple answer for what Loki had to tell Sylvie, obviously his feelings for her, but could it be something else? Pete, he wanted to share that simple, selfless phrase, I love you. He wanted to move off of focus on himself and focus on to another. Now, again, as discussed at the top of the podcast, it is kind of a version of himself and whatnot, but I think that with the comic book movie convention, we need not worry too much about such things instead say he has found the person that completes him and of course these two narcissists the person that completes them is a version of themselves like of course that is the case when exactly is this version of new york and does this need to enter into our idea of the understanding of a timeline going forward I guess the question is, is this some, when you're pruned, is it some version of a time cell or a, a variant universe, hence a, a bombed out New York with a Stark building? I think a variant universe for naughty variants um, is a better story solution. It's a little bit easier for the audience to go, okay, got it. For this episode, even though I know there's a multiverse coming where everything is possible and I'm still secretly hoping for that 
Doctor Strange cameo by Tom Cruise playing Tony Stark. Um, we're not there yet. Let's slide from one reality to two realities. I know that we've had technically more than that with what we've seen so far, but let's let's kind of slowly work our way into the deep end here. Um, I would add to it, I think that there's kind of shades of comic book stuff, especially Marvel comic book stuff in terms of like um, the Secret Wars battle world. And I know more recently there was some something maybe five six years ago where the marvel comics all the different universes including the ultimate universe and the main universe they all merged together to one thing so i think that i think it it's in marvel's dna and it's also a little bit easier to communicate to the audience that this is like we were on one train track now this is the train track for naughty people this is the botany bay this is where we send all the naughties not the not, not the sacred timeline it's the it's the the you know, the bad timeline. So Pete, here's one for you. Given how Asgardians and Ice Folk and whatnot age, uh, how old would you say Sylvie is to have been circa 10 through 13 when taken? And then here she is, the glowing visage of Sophia Martino. How much of that life has been spent on the run? How many years? How many Earther years? Well, truth be told you made me consider it with the aspect that she's done this for thousands of years i think what the text supports a thousand apocalypses that she grew up in she was on the run but it's kind of like we've discussed this before with the db cooper thing oh thor was uh young and loki was young when they did that well younger did they travel through time and go forward to 1970s so you could do that and and you know cause that uh you know strange case i, I don't know i i think it's what story needs right now hey we're going to say this was a long time ago or this was not as long ago yeah, in fact wasn't there a line in the first thor movie like oh time moves differently like that's the great erasure on the whiteboard of your crazy theories and the string and whatnot. It's like, but the time moves differently and you go, okay, got it. I'm, I shouldn't get, shouldn't get too hung, hung up, hung up about this. This isn't the Star Trek universe where I need to be like, but wait, the secret Klingon war and so forth. Um, Pete, I know we've discussed this before. Is Mobius the other drink circle leaving agent? Has Mobius been, rewiped and rewiped in his own loops again i know that's kind of shades of westworld but at a certain point i think we're, we're far enough away from when when westworld was good where if you want to use some of these ideas of living life in a loop it's not exclusively the province of hbo um is the i guess here's another way to put my question is the sadness of renslayer as she looks upon her friend mobius the fact that she has lived these many lives with him and he's only lived the most recent one that he can remember. I really like that. And I'm interested to see how they would pull off the different versions. I mean, we joke about all these different Owen Wilson incarnations, but you know, is there professional jet ski rider Mobius living his best life that got plucked from the timeline and there's another one who's not into jet skis, but instead likes to ride around on 
you know, big wheels with fringed Western outfits, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I'd be down for that. Will we ever see B-15's life or is that a happy notion that's best left in our hearts? God, I hope so. I mean, in the little bit that she's been featured, she's just had such a presence and I have a hard time thinking that the attention to detail that Michael Waldron, that Kate Heron have had throughout the four episodes thus far aren't going to show us, you know, is she a mother? Is she a basketball coach? Like what what her happy existence is so we can close the loop on her. All right, Pete, last three questions from me. These are These are some things I saw on social media. First... Is Kid Loki a shot across the bow of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. fandom and hashtag Kid Coulson? I don't think so, no. (laughs) Certainly the notion that Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and its fandom uh, solely owns the child version of characters uh, and that this is an attempt to, I don't know, make fun of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. fans struck me as a bit of a stretch. Um kid loki is a young adventurer and has been around like that that's just a stupid whoever wherever you saw that that's that's dumb pete there have been some concerns that the show is taking shots at uh you know like the people in charge like you don't trust the tva Uh, also is the return of rocks cart another example something I saw online of the show taking a shot across the bow of that most valiant of American employers, Walmart. I mean, in that we have these mega conglomerates, you know, Walmart, Amazon. Okay. Gigantic monolithic, uh, you know, retailer was done as we've mentioned before in, another Wilson brother uh, story and idiocracy with uh, Costco, you know, growing out of control and having a subway in it. So you could get from one end to another that it's a a city size store. I, I just think it's, it's endemic of the age we live in. Time to check the mailbag, and we will start, Pete, with our Twitter poll. Loki is back with a literally jaw-dropping episode. See, Pete, because they dropped the robot head. Uh, But what did you think about the story? Pete, the options were one robot head, dead to me, got 0%. Two robot heads, watch that baton, cut off, got 1.8%. Uh, three robot heads, truthfully good, got 7%, and then four robot heads, a head above, devil smiley emoji, 91.2%. That's, uh, that is way up there. That is, I don't know if it's tippity tops, but that's definitely up there. We also heard from Noel Gardner, Captain Noel around these parts. That's at Noel Camille, who said, All I can say is, wow, even when you think you know what's coming, it's way crazier. Knowing there were two more episodes still didn't give me comfort that Loki wasn't gone. That post credit scene was so many Lokis. Can Gator Loki talk? 
Ravona was cold in this episode, but I think there's still someone else behind the Chuck E. Cheese animatronic Timekeeper's Curtain. <laughs> Pete, Noel, in, in one half of one sentence, just referenced The Wizard of Oz and Chuck E. Cheese. If that's not a sign for the, the beauty of our era, I don't know what it is. Uh, Noel continues to say, next Wednesday can't come fast enough. One last thing. Does the light pattern behind the Muppets, uh, that is, uh, she's referring <laughs> to the timekeepers, look like the runes from WandaVision? Good Ooh, question. Yeah. So your thoughts good, there, Pete? That That's good. Because that, the, the laughing, the responsiveness, you know, Android's AI could only do so much for you so that implies some kind of real-time connection instead of this is the birthday song that we sing with your pizza <laughs> um of course pete you mentioned the androids what was the line from um from falcon and the winter soldier what's the big three one of them is robots <laughs> um moving on here we heard from loki motion that's at k-c-l-y-l-e-1 what a return after, Pete, it's after with a PH, after the relatively slower episode three. So many Lokis. Can we assume that Mobius is still alive somewhere also? That's that's our hope. Great reveals, new questions, and great performances with the PH. What else can be said? It was fantastic with the PH as well. Uh, JT Atkins, it's at JTA is me, says, I predict a second pruning reversal. Great episode. Wow. Tara James, it's at Lula May, M-A-E, 1914. For one moment, I thought Loki was getting into some bad 1969 Star Trek effects with the droids, but it redeemed itself <laughs> at the end. Pete, I would agree that the animation, the quality of the animation is uh, subpar for Marvel, but in line with, wait, this is subpar for real creatures. Oh, they're not real. Yeah, there's an incongruity when you see them and, you know, you're you're so shocked. Like, I mean, I'm watching this at three o'clock in the morning on, on Wednesday and, you know, I'm squinting from having been asleep and I'm like, is my vision off? What am I seeing? And there's the the fogginess of the background and then them and I'm I'm chalking it up to that. I mean... There's there's some digital trickery going on. I can't wait to watch the uh, Marvel Assembled on this series. Is your vision off? Android's vision? Somehow it's all connected. <laughs> um, we heard from Stephen James that's at Mr. Holland F3. Pete, I loved his first movie there. That was good stuff, Mr. Holland's Opus. Uh, my wife, while watching the episode while watching episode one, said, quote, I bet she, Ravana, is in charge and the timekeepers aren't real. Time will tell, but it seems like she was at least on the right path. Uh, we heard from Ian Silverman. That's at Sylvie underscore 76. Ian says, seriously, though, I thought this episode was freaking awesome. Not a huge surprise to find out uh, the timekeepers weren't real, a la The Wizard of Oz or Big Brother. But boy, has this revelation now raised more questions than answered. So excited to have our first mid credit scene and can't wait for next week to finally see more of the incomparable Richard E. Grant. Also wondering if wherever Loki ended up, is that where Mobius and or the pruned hunters went to? Will Ravona really tell Sylvie, quote-unquote, everything? Thanks, guys. Stay fantastic. 
Uh, we heard from Andre Yeager, the venerable Andre Yeager at Dr. Polo 1983. I was in shock at the first pruning. I was totally devastated at the second pruning. This, uh, this episode really had me in my emotions. I think we are seeing someone's realization of their self-worth come to life. Loved everything about this episode. Is it next Wednesday yet? Pete, I would add to Andre's words, we see Sylvie recognizing her self-worth in terms of the life she wants to live. Same thing for Loki. So double affirmation there. And to get it from Sylvie's perspective now, what's going on? I mean, it obviously makes sense with Renslayer having intervened in her life and her existence when that uh, exposition dump is going to occur. We heard from Jordan Tanner Variant. That's at Mighty underscore Jor. Great episode. Timekeeper scene reminded me of The Last Jedi, that being the throne room uh, fight in each story. Uh, certainly has uh, has some similarities there, like the centrally placed thr- uh, throne. Uh, we heard from uh, how Ta- about a how about a puppet leader? That too. We heard from Kevin Grogu's Brosif. That's at Loves Wars L U V S. Um, oh wow, ninety five percent four star rating at the time of my voting. I cannot wait for the podcast in this episode. I'm so emotional right now, Kevin. We are emotional to have you with us on the journey. Um, we also heard from J Philly B. That's at J Philly B for fandom. Uh, after that mid credit scene, episode five can't arrive fast enough. So a Loki being content slash having someone else who wants them around and not a loner causes a nexus event, fittingly sinister for what we've seen of the TVA's fanaticism so far. Quote, are you a robot? Um, It has a whole new context now. Anyone else thinking how much uh, more exciting Disney's Hall of Presidents could be if they added a Loki (laughs) floor show? Uh, Can't wait to see what gag... Yeah. Pete, I must confess, I haven't um, been to Hall of Presidents um, in my last couple of visits. Uh, I didn't like some of the additions they made. Um, but anyhow, back to J. Philly B. Can't wait to see what a gaggle of Lokis uh, in a destroyed New York City can, uh, NYC can get up to. Um, we heard from Jared Showerman at the AV Seal. Uh, I figured it out, and Jared shared a picture which says thusly. Theory, the timekeepers were created by the Pizza Time players to keep from being disbanded in 2014. Now, Pete, we have spoken quite a bit off mic. Pizza Time players were originally the partners of or the the rival to Chuck E. Cheese. Well, let's not forget, and I had replied to one of these tweets about Chuck E. Cheese and, and that one. Let's not leave out Showbiz Pizza, who had the Rockafire explosion. And I've tried to get Matt to watch it for a couple of years. If you have not watched the Rockafire explosion documentary, it is on YouTube. It is jaw-droppingly interesting. I'm just going to leave it at that, including the guy who, you know, apparently didn't have good birthdays and in his 30s or 40s needed to completely restore this animatronic band that he once saw in this now defunct competitor of Chuck E. Cheese and uh, store it in his crazy dungeon-esque <laughs> area off to the side on his property watch that documentary pete all fandom is beautiful uh we heard from james the sagacious that's at big killing on twitter they had me at sif 
Um, a little bit of a conversation here with us and uh, Bruja Escarlata, that's at Modern Priscilla. We're going to have Ian Silverman from before chime in as well. So um, Modern Priscilla says, at this time, I was thinking man behind the curtain, Jacob, Wizard of Oz stuff. And I think I was probably right. Maybe. We'll see. Ian replies, seems like it. I'm right there with you. I mean, You mean Jacob from Lost? Yes, uh, surely. Um, a shadowy figure. Is he even real anymore, but people still worship him and believe in him hype? I thought of Big Brother from 1984. Who else fits that description? Uh, Bruhar Escalada confirms, yes, Jacob from Lost. Uh, I'm very trendy. Um, and uh, also said, uh, I was also referring to it by the man behind the curtain. My baby was born when the show came out. We'll be in high school, a uh, high school senior next month. Pete, time, time goes by whether you're on the... Uh, whatever happened happened timeline or the branching timeline um, it, hashtag it's all connected uh, we heard from Jackie Wolf that's at Jackie Wolf I found myself figuratively with a PH glued to my screen while watching episode 4 still holding out hope that we'll see some jet ski action out of Mobius and then she adds see Mobius has no beginning or end please let it be true uh, it's a screenshot of the definition of a Mobius strip Thank which you. of course with that half twist uh, has has no end um, it's a great observation there. Uh, Pete, are you ready now for a tweet from Steve Thurbridge, uh, which got in response to it a a uh, a high five gif? You bet. Steve says, "What is pruning if not main characters persevering?" I I did see that. That's pretty good. Is that that that's beautiful right there? Uh, we heard from Nathan Nolan Edwards. It's at Nolan Edwards. Episode four of all the Disney Plus Marvel series seems to uh, be the magical episode that reminds you, oh, yes, Marvel knows what they are doing. Uh, we heard from Darren Bell. Darren B46052059. Pete, Darren was on this whole letter number thing before the TVA came along. And I, I like to tip my hat uh, to um, the former Darren Bell, now instead. Oh, we'll just call him Hunter before 6052059. Um, <laughs> Darren says, this episode was so good, especially the mid-credits scene. Did anyone else need to turn on subtitles to understand the fake timekeepers, though? I couldn't make out a word they were saying. Uh, and Bruhar Escalada says, I always have captions on, as I think you and I both do usually, Pete. Yeah. Uh, then the last tweet here comes from Blue Fescudian Vengeance. That's at Blue Fescudian V. The Disney Plus shows just keep getting better. Pete, what feedback do you have on your end? On Facebook, Matt Steve Adams writes in uh, Episode 4 of Loki was incredible. The entire episode was permeated with an almost tangible desperation. Almost everything that happened here felt like it had to happen. Maybe it happened a bit too quickly, but it had to happen. Although I was a bit surprised to see the timekeepers were robots. I suppose we should have seen it coming after having it handed to us in the premiere. Loki survived the pruning, so surely Mobius did as well? The question is, who is behind the TVA? who has the most gain from preserving one sacred timeline. The TVA acts almost like a religious movement. They must have a god. Who in Marvel history has been the closest we have seen to a legitimate god? Could it be the Beyonder? Would Marvel even go down that road? I guess we will see. And how great was it to see Lady Sip again? 
a couple of appearances in movies and the TV show that was connected until it wasn't just aren't enough for Jamie Alexander. More Sif, please. Until next week, stay fantastic with the PH. I should add, Matt, that I uh, responded to Steve here saying I do know who is behind the TVA. I've been given that information. Uh, And the tidbit we included before, there is a pretty widespread belief there will be more SIF coming to a movie theater near you soon. Uh, I'm reminded of... um in the last week having dusted off the uh, Loki Wikipedia page and had some older quotes from Kevin Feige who was saying, Oh man, this Loki show is going to have way more impact on the overall, you know, storyline, the MCU storyline and, and the timeline and the movies and whatnot than the other shows. And he said that in like 2018, then he kind of quickly backed off and was like, what, who says that? Um, Again, there is this potential that whoever is actually behind the TVA, that might not be revealed in the next two episodes. Would I be surprised if we get a revelation? No, I wouldn't. I'm just saying, let's be clear where we're at, that this is far from, whether you're talking pre-COVID existence or post-COVID, we're very far from, well, the next movie is Black Widow and that's far away and it, it, until we get back to kind of the core uh, people were connected to the Avengers in Doctor Strange. Oh man, it's so far away. You know, it's July now. We are either going to get multiverse in December with uh, with Spider Man or March with Doctor Strange or both. The wide assumption is both, if not sooner. Although I would say probably not Black Widow, probably not Chung Chi, probably not Eternals. Um, but again, the potential for this, the end of this season to blow open the mcu and sit and go oh man who is that cut to black and you go ah i can't have to wait till december you know there's that possibility steve added here that he has to side with team matt it is hard to be spoiler free but worth it when you get that shock reveal there you go you gotta you gotta look if we've learned anything from this the first four episodes here it's that you should just dogmatically listen <laughs> to the idea that it's it that spoilers are bad and you should not follow your own your your own wants or your own desires to to research things further when the spoiler free police when the spoiler free judge says stop asking about C20 you say okay and you don't dig any deeper it's 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 canon at this point Matt to Apple Podcasts a review here left by Mom of 6 and the headline is such period a period great colon podcast exclamation point five stars and it reads sometimes the podcasts are better than the shows they're recapping and discussing and then i just watch the show so i can listen to it my only nudge would be perhaps they could occasionally consult with the women in their lives to get their perspective well, Pete, I could, uh, I will say this, um, watching Loki the second time for me, the first time with my wife and daughter, um, at, first of all, I was able to stretch the conversation across the credits cause I, you know, I didn't want to be like, but wait, there's more, you know, I wanted the, the, the post-credit scene to naturally unfold. So we're talking about this and that, the other, and all of a sudden it cuts to the thing. And when there's the, when there's this, that shot of the, the Loki variants, um, 
my wife's response was like, oh, what was, I don't remember the exact word that she said. It was wow or huh, but it was kind of like, it was immediately, she let's say she said, wow. like But it was with this tone. Wow. Where, Wow. Oh my goodness. Wow. It's Owen Wilson. But the the point being I could Are tell Are you married that for... to an Owen Wilson variant? <laughs> um Pete, I if I say yes, that's weird. If I say no, that's weird. So I'll just say I'll just say love is love is love. Um wow. I could tell oh. by her reaction that the the totality of what was trying to be communicated which is do you see, do you have enough time to see all these people and understand that they are the same Loki, but that they are all variations. Yes, you have enough time. Then we're going to cut to black with you having not had enough time to go. But wait, his neck piece is the same as this one. It's just an, it was that perfect length of time and had the perfect impression on her. So uh, per- perhaps Pete, I'll have to I'll have to inquire more as to her thoughts. Uh, but there's at least a little bit there to uh, to address the listener's question. I mean, my wife very very seldom is around when i'm watching these she doesn't watch them she doesn't watch them with me she was uh in the room as i was taking notes for the lamentous episode and asked a couple questions i mean i I wish she would watch it with me she's just not that interested she went to dr strange she's a big uh cumberbatch fan uh so there's that but uh, yeah, I think Mom of Six uh, brings up a good point. I mean, we could always use more of a female perspective, given particularly what the subtext of this week's episode is about. So if nothing else, Pete, fingers crossed on a Doctor Strange cameo uh, in episode 106 of Loki? Yep, bring it on. <laughs> All right, Pete, well, the time has come to give away the first of our three Loki t-shirts. have some names here in the old, it's not literally a hat, it's a cup. Got them. All right, I'm pulling out. There's two stuck together. Hold on. There we go. Uh, Pete, from Twitter, congratulations to our first winner. That's Tamara at Watching Grass on Twitter. Uh, Tamara, I will reach out to you Um I guess publicly and say feel free to dm and we can we can get get some info there to get you the loki shirt of your choice so uh congratulations there to tamara and pete the adventure continues for two future winners uh unless you're listening to this in the far future then it's the past but that's the way the sacred <laughs> timeline works but a new winner next week and the following week congratulations tamara and just one note if you're going to share on facebook uh either Give us a, a tag that you've shared it or make sure your privacy settings are such that we can see you have shared it. Uh, all the mysteries of the uh, the technology universe. So, Pete, this entire outing, including our little t-shirt contest made possible by those who support us on Patreon.com slash Fantastic Geek. So, thanks again to those who keep us not just listener supported, but Honestly, Pete, I listen to these, I listen to other podcasts, I watch YouTube videos and whatnot, and you can tell when the content creators are a little disappointed in themselves and they're like, let me stop talking to you about this thing so I can tell you about new clicky gel pens. Love (laughs) gel pens. These ones click. And they have great gel. Uh, Now, Pete, if gel pen or whoever wants to give us a ton of money, I might 
I'm, I might bite my lip too. But in the interim, <laughs> I'm proud that we can just say we are listener supported. The money, the, the people we are shilling for is you and me and making the podcast continue to buzz along on the timeline that we call reality. So get yourself over to patreon.com slash fantastic geek with the PH takes just a dollar to get in that door. You're going to find all sorts of exclusives. Sometimes we'll give you some early listens. We just recorded and put up something that will only ever reside on Patreon that you'll only ever be able to hear there. So you want to check it out today. Can't contribute like mom of six here get yourself over to apple Podcasts. leave us a rating in seconds or review in a little bit more time matt we got our first drive-by one-star review for loki it's about that time oh man pete is that because we said uh i don't know bisexual loki does me no harm and people should live their truths and love the way they want to love i don't know because the coward didn't even write anything critical Oh, okay. I'll just assume that they... I'll assume that's what it was. On the heels of last week's episode, it probably is what it is. So, uh, as you mentioned, Pete, every rating always appreciated. So, Pete, with two episodes left of Loki, and indeed with it's July, we can start to look ahead to uh, the return of Star Trek Lower Decks in August over there on our Pop Culture Podcast feed. How can people be in touch with you? You can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, 12,020 followers, can't be wrong. And while I'm personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, do be in touch with the podcast, comment on FantasticGeek.com. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram, Gmail, where we are Fantastic Geek as well. But wait, Pete, there's more! Facebook.com slash Fantastic Geek with a P-H, all one word, like it today. Pete on the Pop Culture Podcast feed and on the Loki Podcast feed. We will be back next Saturday to continue the adventure. Indeed, even with the final two episodes growing closer and closer. So with that, I will say adios to all the listeners and give you the final word. By the way, I should have an equal amount of security. This is insulting. 